books of the Bible, but today we're just going to give you a bit of the story of the church. So if you've heard this a hundred times, don't fall asleep, I'll be testing you. Um, but if you've never heard it before, I think it's important that you kind of get a feel for what God has done in this place, because it is so exciting. So if we could have that presentation up, that would be lovely. Thank you so much. So today is our Thanksgiving Day here at CCBC, and we're giving thanks to God for his faithfulness to us over this past year, particularly, but over the years gone by, and we're looking forward in sense of anticipation and expectation of what God is doing amongst us. We really sense that we're entering a new season, and we don't know quite what that season will bring to us, but we sense we have a little bit of the Lord's favor upon us right now. And so we want to just press into all that God has for us, but not forgetting the faithfulness of the past. So the story so far, okay? So we're going to start the story in 1662. Now that just gives you an element of how long this talk is going to be, okay? <laughs> just a clue, okay? So in, in 1662, um, a small group of nonconformists began to meet in the town here. Nonconformists were not part of the traditional church, okay, the state church. And uh, they weren't allowed, actually, uh, to meet for many years before that. But this was the first time that they were allowed to meet. And so there was a little gathering in Chipping Camden. And then in, we're jumping a little bit ahead, 1724, the Baptist church was officially formed, and it went through lots of ups and downs. They had a little building on the back end site, which is if where, you know, uh, Hermie and I and Karis live, or Karis has left, Hermie and I live, the manse, that was the site of the original church building. Hence, you've got the graveyard behind, if you've ever visited the church and wondered why you've got gravestones all the way down. And the church went through lots of ups and downs, and uh, I could show you the graphs of how it did up and down. But it actually closed in 1867. The numbers got so low that the church closed. And during a period of three years, the Lord spoke to a, a man called Richie Irvin. And the Lord called this man to become pastor of a church that didn't exist. Isn't that amazing? And he came with a vision to reopen the church. And not only that, he came with a vision to buy the two little houses on the high street, demolish them, and build a new building. And build the manse, which we're really grateful for, aren't we, Hermie? That he had such a vision. And in 10 years, he did that. Isn't that incredible? And then he died. And he is buried in the garden, in the old graveyard. And uh, there are occasions when I go up there and just thank the Lord for that man and for his vision and for his family who gave themselves to the work here in Chipping Camden. Because had he not been called by God, we wouldn't be here today. I'm sure of it. All those years ago. And then in terms of the modern history of the Baptist churches around locally, it wasn't really positive. There was a Baptist church in, in Blockley, closed. There was a Baptist church in Paxford, closed. There was a Baptist church in Shipston, closed. There was a Baptist church in Chipping Camden, was closed. But God brought new life, new hope. It did get down to six members, 
but again, God brought life. Here is a picture that I'm so grateful for because um, I've had it for many years and I've been reliably told that it was only taken because of that banner. It was only taken because of that banner because it was a gift from Romania, which we have links with now. Isn't that amazing? So we had to have a picture and that's why no one's standing in front of the banner. Okay. And on that picture, you might see a familiar face who doesn't look at all different. Jenny Arthy. Wonderful. And Phil's just there at the back there. And uh, if you remember the little lad on the video who said, the Lord, that's Caleb Arthy as well. And, and I'm particularly grateful for the Arthy family um, because um, the generations of the Arthy family that we have in the life of the church have just reminded me again and again of God's faithfulness. And uh, just to hear Caleb say, what does Chipping Camden Baptist Church mean to you? And he says, the Lord. He's going to be a great man of God. I don't have to prophesy that because we know it's true. He is already speaking up for Jesus, which is brilliant. So I want to tell you a story because um, I could tell you lots of stories of people here, but I want to just tell you a story from this lady's life here. Her name is Alice Benfield. Now, she grew up in the church as well, so she'd seen it through all the ups and downs. But one of the earliest encouragements that I received when I came to be a minister here in 1996 was to visit Alice. And I went to visit Alice, and uh, we would sit and pray together. And she reminded me of a story one day when she, along with two other people, it was an evening service, and she said... This was when it got to the lowest ebb for her. There were just three of them gathered round an old gas fire in the back hall and they prayed for revival. They'd seen other local Baptist churches closed and they just prayed for revival. And she said, God answered their prayers. And part of that was the Arthi family coming. And she'd lived through all the ups and downs. Very early on in my time here, I knew that we had to change the church building. In fact, it was the first thing I knew, because when I went, came for the interview, there was a reluctance to actually show me the church building, which is odd if you're going to be the minister of the church. You would think that they would want to say, come and see our suite of buildings. And um, there was kind of, well, do you really want to see the building? And uh, so went into the building, and... Um, Immediately I saw the building, I saw a vision of what it could look like. And it needed to have the pews removed. It needed to have the organ taken out. It needed to have the great big pulpit area dismantled. Now I know you're sitting there and saying, well that's easy to do, isn't it, in churches? Churches must love to take their pews out. They must love to take their pulpits out. I can tell you on authority that I have noticed in some churches that that's the hardest thing to do in a church. But we knew that that was the only way that we would be able to facilitate growth, something that we could physically do that would make a spiritual change. And so I remember going to see Alice before the meeting. We were going to have a meeting about whether we would decide as a church to do that. So I thought I'd better go and see Alice. So I went to see Alice, and I got to her front door. Her front door was always open, never locked. So I, I opened the front door, and as I stepped over the threshold of the door, she said, Philip, I know why you've come. 
Hi, Alice. <laughs> you want to take out the pews and the organ and the pulpit, don't you? I hadn't even sat down. And I said, Alice, Alice, we've got to do it. And she said, it's our fault. I said, excuse me? It's our fault. We prayed for revival. <laughs> and she said, I never thought it would come with drums. <laughs> and she said, we're all for it. She said to me, and I wrote it down because I wanted to get it right. We, not, we don't like the new music so much and the new songs and the drums, but we know the young people do. And we prayed for young people to come into this church so we will not stand in the way. None of the oldies will oppose this. I'll have a word with them. <laughs> she was quite a formidable woman, was Alice. We prayed together, and I left the house. I thinking, you can do anything, God, in this church with an attitude like that. You can do anything in this church with an attitude like that. And so the lesson for us is that we have to be all a bit like Alice and not hold on to things that we think are so precious because we want to see the kingdom of God come. And there might not be things that we all like, but we want to see the kingdom of God come. And I thank God for her as well. The Lord did answer her prayers. This is a picture that was taken in 1994 before I'd come to the church. And uh, you may see familiar faces on there, and uh, you may see yourself on there, and you may be thinking, I haven't changed at all. I look so young, still. Karen Dean, for example, looks exactly the same. It's amazing. And so does Betty, by the way. And so does everyone else who's on that picture, just in case you're feeling offended that I haven't mentioned you by name, that you look exactly the same as you did then. We knew that we had to change the building. This was the building. We couldn't do anything with the building. We couldn't have various meetings. It was so difficult. I remember coming to that interview, and we left, and I drew on a little envelope, back of an envelope, what I thought the church would look like if we just renovated it a bit. That was before you even called me as the minister. Maybe you'd have changed your mind. But, and that's how it looked like on the piece of paper. And that's how it looks today and has done since um, we changed things. And it's used every single day. Last week, there were 13 groups that met in that building. On some of the days last week, there were three groups on the same day meeting in that building. We could have never have done it before. And it's such a blessing to us. The only problem with the building is it's too small. It's too small. I loved that building. I remember going down nearly every day through all the building works and just praying in that building. And the Lord's brought us to a school hall <laughs> because we can't fit in the building unless we split the church up. 
We could do. We could go and have multiple services. We could. I mean, you know, if the Lord wants us to do that, we would do that. But there's something wonderful about having naught to 99 together. That is the most unusual thing in today's life. Where do you get a group of people where 99-year-olds and, you know, little babies meet together and we're all part of the Fon family and together in fellowship? It's brilliant, isn't it? And I, church, and I know churches have done that, and it, it has been successful. But we, one of the reasons we came to the school was that we didn't want to lose that. We didn't want to lose that. So we're praying that the Lord will provide for us a swanky new building here at the school somewhere, somehow. Maybe with 340 seats in it. Maybe with a, a custom-built auditorium. I mean, I don't know if it's pie in the sky, but we're praying for it. We're asking for it. Lord, would you give us a building like that so we could meet there? And the Lord's called us to a mission to proclaim Jesus Christ to people today. That's what we're about, isn't it? We exist as a group of people for those who are not yet here. We don't exist for ourselves, not a holy club. We exist for people who are not yet here. There are some empty seats here. We want to see them full. We want to see them full up to here, so we have to stand on the platform. And when we get the new auditorium that God's going to give to us, thank you, Lord, to make disciples, to build God's kingdom, serve our community, and we are praying for revival. We're planting new churches. We have done. We still want to, to reach the nations. Just a culture of invitation. Um, I could have put so many things on there, but I want to just mention Alpha to you. Uh, because we're on our 47th Alpha course since I came in 1996. We've never got to a point where we've had to cancel the next Alpha course because we haven't got people to come. We've had smaller courses and we've had larger courses, but 46 Alpha courses in a row is quite amazing. Even when Sandy Miller came to visit us, and he was gobsmacked that a little church like ours... We're pursuing God in that way, and we're inviting people. We have a culture of invitation. Who are you thinking about for the spring Alpha course? Who can you invite? be brilliant to have them come along. And then we did. We moved to the school here in 2009. It just seems like yesterday, doesn't it? Maybe not. Maybe not. To make more room for God. And we've seen people baptized, 218 since we've been here, when we came, that's when I started counting. Um, and uh, Matt, it was great just to see Matt last, uh, yesterday because he was um, doing all the sound lighting things for the big event that we went to yesterday. It was brilliant. But we've seen people who have come to know Jesus from this church. They've come, gone through. We had a lady from Japan who was just visiting. She became a Christian here. She went back to Japan where there are not many Christians. We've seen other people come to know the Lord. They're now leading churches across the UK, leading other ministries across the UK. We've seen people who are baptized here, now part of other fellowships, being a blessing to other fellowships around the country. And we're so grateful to God for that. Here are just a few of the ministries and the pro sort of program things that we have uh, throughout a year. I'm sorry if your particular program isn't on there. It's my memory. I'm getting older. I can't remember everything. But isn't it amazing? All of these things happening within the life of the church. Absolutely 
Fantastic. And we know prayer is the key to that. That's why we've set aside this month of seeking the Lord and praying, making worship the center of all that we do. And we continue to have that Hungry for God meeting once a month where we pray for revival. As Alice prayed for revival when there were just three round a stove in the back hall, we're praying for revival now that we might see a move of God. We are committing to planting churches twice In recent history, we've given a third of our fellowship away. We're a giving church. Those of you who were here when we planted Star Valley Baptist Church, remember that moment when a third of our congregation went. And it was a little bit of a bereavement. A third of the congregation. And now it's a thriving church over there in Shipston. And then again in Bidford, we planted uh, Bidford Baptist Church, now called The Barn. And that was in 2005. Again, it was just under a third of the congregation then we gave away. And so we are committed. And just think of that story of Alice meeting in that back room with two other people to pray for revival. And to think now that across those three congregations that sprang from her prayers and those of those saints, there's 500 people gathering this morning. 500 people gathering this morning across three congregations. All because of what God has done. And we're so, so grateful to him. And what next? What is the Lord leading us into? We're praying for his leading and his guiding. We're also privileged to partner with folks from around the world. We're linked with Romania. We're linked with Turkey. We're linked with India. Uh, We have mission partners there. And we're also a partner church with Open Doors, serving the persecuted church. So today we've come to give thanks to God to worship him, to look back, and to be grateful for all that he's done amongst us, but also to commit ourselves to the ongoing. What does God have for us? There are some people here who are sitting here this morning. God has something for you, maybe. Maybe you're not even a Christian yet, yet you're here because God is at work. Maybe the Lord is stirring in you something, a new ministry, a new... We want to see all of that flourish. So we're here to give thanks to God. I'm going to invite the band to stand and to lead us as we have a time of sung worship.